Start a new series today, book of Jude, which is where you, it's the part that you skip over when you're looking through the Bible and you get toward the end and you get to the book of Revelation. And um, it's one of the shortest, in fact, it's the five, fifth shortest book in the Bible. You know, it doesn't have any chapters, has less than 500 words in it, and it is largely neglected and not talked about for a lot of reasons. You're going to see some of the reasons while we're talking about it. And so if you've got a Bible, I invite you to take a look at the book of Jude with me. Again, it's right toward the end, right before Revelation. <clears throat> and while you're doing that, let me give you a really bad analogy. You ready for this? Okay. Let's say, let's say that you are, on, you are a player on your favorite team. You just pick about whatever your favorite team is right now. I know, I know. Late night partying last night, Okay. But let's say you're a player on your favorite team. And today, this afternoon, while you're by yourself, something happens, big light happens, and you show up in front of you, and it's your future self. And as a player on the team, your future self says, I got to tell you something. You ready for this? Our team is going to win the championship this year. Okay? I... I that your future self has a newspaper with the headlines. Like, like, here it is. I've come to tell you this. I've come to tell you this. Oh, and also, uh, time travel will be discovered. Okay. Now, let's say your future self, and the poof, gone. If that happened today, how would that affect you? I would guess you'd be rather excited about that. Because you wouldn't lie to yourself, right? So this is going to happen. And you would probably tell other people. you tell your teammates, guys, guys, this is going to happen. We're going to win. I know it. I know it. it's absolute fact. It's absolute truth. It's been told me. Now, let's imagine that after you say that, a couple things happen. Some people come and they say, hey, you know, I heard this thing about you saying it's absolute truth, guaranteed your team's going to win. Are you, are you sure? Is it possible that was a dream? Is it possible that you lied is it possible that you meant next did it say this year or next year did it say what championship did you say you were going to win it could be the champions of nice guys they might give that award you know are you so sure let's say the one of your teammates or some of your teammates then gathered around you and said man we believe it we're glad and you know what we're 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 in good shape and it's time to practice and they go practice it's guaranteed we're going to win the championship how would you react to that my guess is you kind of would feel the same way Jude felt when he wrote what he wrote. And if that's a really bad analogy and it doesn't make any sense to you when we're done, then you can just ask for your money back today. But here's, here's what happened. When you come into possession of something that's really rare, when you come into possession with, of the absolute final word about something, it's absolute truth. When that becomes your, your reality, you probably cling to it, right? You probably rest in it. You probably don't let others try to talk you out of it because, you have, you, because it is real. All right, Jude writes a little letter to people who've come into possession of absolute truth. Now, um, through this series, you're gonna, we're going to give you a little bit of background on Jude, but most of it's going to be in a little form of little, there's a little insert in your programs. We're going to try to give you a couple things each, one thing a week 
in, the, in, the, in your program, you'll see a little thing about Jude this week. If it didn't fall out, there are more on the table if you didn't get one. And it just talks about who Jude is. The background of who this Jude guy is, we're, I'm going to just assume that this is, of the choices, that this is the half-brother of Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary's child, and like others who didn't believe in Jesus when he was in his earthly days, but after he rose from the dead, they came to put their faith in him. He has a brother named James who wrote the epistle of James. This guy has watched Jesus. He saw the, he saw the resurrected Jesus probably. He heard about it, and he has come to the place where he is ecstatic about something, and he says that I want you to, to know that I, I, I wanted to write you because this is such good news. Now, it starts in Jude with this statement, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. And that is because if it is his half-brother, he doesn't go around boasting about, hey, you know, half-brother Jesus here grew up, saw the guy play ball when he was a kid, I, you know. Uh, same thing James said when he wrote his. He didn't call himself the half-brother of Jesus. He said he was a servant of Jesus. And he is so ecstatic because he realizes that God has done something. God has delivered a package of truth to human beings. The most significant truths they've been looking for all their lives. They are absolute and they are secure. They are, they are fully promised and, and direct. And he says, how great is that? And he, he starts off by saying, there's, there's more phrases than we have time to go over here. But he, he, he talks about who he's, he, who he's talking to, and he uses this phrase. He uses the pe- people are called by God. They're, they're, or they're called, they're loved by God, and they're kept by Jesus Christ. In other words, even where your status, here's the thing. God took care of all that stuff for you. You're called by him, you're loved by him, and you're kept by him. It's, it's like a guaranteed thing. It's absolute truth that you belong. Your life has been saved. You belong to him because of you have put Jesus in your life. And so he's so jacked up about that that he just wants to revel in it. He says, I, I wanted to write you. This is verse 3. I was eager to write you about the salvation we share. Man, I just wanted to go, whoa, how cool is this? How great is it to be us? That we have been given the greatest gift and we know absolutely some things that are absolutely for sure. How, he said, I really, really wanted to do that. But then Jude encountered something that, by the way, has happened in every generation that has ever lived. When truth, absolute truth, is suggested and proposed, human nature does something with that. Human nature has a way of, well, questioning it. And so he says, so I felt I had to write, this is verse 3, to urge you to contend for this for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints now when he's talking that phrase the trait the faith once for all entrusted to the saints he's not just talking about the one aspect of the faith meaning you believe in jesus the faith is an overarching whole collection of truth about the faith includes who god is the real god it's the bottom line end of discussion truth about who god is about what he's done. It's the truth about humanity and where we stand with God and our need and our, and our trouble without him, our rebellion about him. It is the truth about what God did in response to that, his love for us and how he sent his son to earth and who put on flesh. It's the absolute truth about him absorbing sin and dying in our place and rising from the dead and conquering it. It's the absolute truth of not just that, not just where we stand with God and who God is, but, but God, it includes the faith 
has, includes exactly, exactly what God wants to say and what he wants from us. The guidelines for life, what is right and what's wrong, the design that he had for us, what's pure. God has wrapped it all up and he has given to us, and it uses that phrase, he once and for all delivered. It means lock, stock, and barrel. It is absolute, definitive, the final word. God has given us the final word on all of those things. And it is true that the world has always been looking for that. I mean, don't we want the bottom line on stuff? I mean, if you're a parent, you go, okay, in one generation, I was supposed to put my baby sleeping on their back. The next one told me to put it on its stomach. The next one to put those little thingies, the worm things you put next to it so it sleeps on its side. What, which every generation tells you, oh, no, no, that was really bad. You could have killed your child. Don't do that. Well, does any, will anybody ever just give us the final word on that? What's the final word? Am I supposed to eat protein and no carbs? Am I supposed to eat carbs but no protein? Every generation keeps coming up with that. Well, it's a mix of that. And don't do that. And then we'll eat the greens. Well, don't eat all the greens. Well, you know, sugar. No, but no, no sugar. And it just, it, has anybody got the final word? If we could just get the final word, that's what I want. Does anybody have the ultimate recipe for grilled cheese? <laughs> if, if we could just get that, we, we want it. And here's what God has said. So when it comes to life and how to live life, who God is, here's what God says about that. The very, he has showed you, oh man, what is good. He's shown you, goes on to say, what the Lord requires. Everything that you need to know. He has, he has delivered it. Truth has been given to us. He wrapped it up in his son. He wrote it down on, on words. It's been given to us. It is once for all delivered to the saints. Now, when that happens, the truth has, um, has, has a couple ramifications. And um, I want you to think about this. And Bruce, I'm going to need you to probably help me with this, okay? Okay, the faith wants to deliver all, all the saints. When, the, when absolute truth is, is, is given, there's a couple of effects it has. One is it has the effect of freeing us and settling us. We can rest in it. We don't have to doubt it anymore. We can count on it. There's no fear about it changing. There's no speculation because it is absolute truth. At the same time, it also is catalytic. It, it catalyzes us. It makes us adjust to it. Let me give you an example. There's a truth that you and I are living with right now. The truth is gravity. Mass one times mass two divided by relative distance divided uh, to the second power equals the force of gravity. We pretty much have been given that as a reality. That is a truth. Can I, small t, truth, right? You live with that truth. That truth does two things for you. It frees us completely. We can rest in that truth. What that means is when you walk out the door today, you don't walk out with the fear, what if gravity stops and I just, what if we just, you're not worried about that. You can count on gravity. You know exactly what it's going to do, how it's going to do it, and the ramifications of it. You can rest in gravity. But it also is catalytic. You don't make gravity adjust to your life or demands or desires. You adjust to it. You don't say, you know what? I have a right to do what I want to do and I am going to fly. And I am going to jump and, and you watch me. I'm going to just take off and I'm going to superhero it, man. It's going to be because... Because I live in a country where they say if you do anything you want, you can achieve it. 
So I'm going to fly, and you can try all you want, but you know what? You're going to adjust to gravity. Gravity's not going to adjust to you. And it has serious ramifications, doesn't it? It has ramifications on us, like what just happened this week in New Jersey, where a 50-story building, somebody on a construction, just happened, right? Dropped a less than one-pound tape measure. It fell off the building. It bounced a couple times. It broke into pieces, and it hit a man who who had just arrived, had a hard hat in his car but hadn't put it on, him in the head, and it killed him. Now, this sounds a little heartless, but this is, I understand. The reformer construction worker near the site told the newspaper, you don't work in this environment without a hard hat. He paid the price. He said, you got to have it. Gravity will not adjust to your choices. You adjust to it. There's an old story. Forgive me, this is such an old story. It's so old that I decided to, to share it again with you because if you're just, you know, this might be new to you. And, and I looked to see whether this is a real story or not. Looked at Snopes and all that kind of stuff. And it's attributed to a guy named Frank Cook, a naval officer. And it was written in the U.S. Naval Institute proceedings from years ago when, when the uh, boats communicated from Morse code. And if, if you have heard this story, just act like you haven't, okay? All right, go, ooh, good story when I'm done. Okay, so here's what happens. There's a battleship at sea. It's on routine maneuvers under heavy weather conditions. The captain, who's worried about the deteriorating conditions, stays on the bridge, watches all the activities, and on the lookout, uh, uh, the bridge, someone shouts, Captain, a light. It's a light bearing toward us on the starboard bow. He asks, is it stationary or moving? Replies, it looks like it's, it's stationary or moving. It's coming directly the collision course. Captain orders his signalman to signal the ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees east. Response comes from the other ship. You change course 20 degrees west. He's agitated by the arrogance. The captain signals the signalman. I am a captain. Change course 20 degrees east. Second response comes back. I'm a second class seaman. You change course 20 degrees west. The captain's furious. Shouts the signalman to send back this message. I am a battleship. Change course 20 degrees east. Reply comes back. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Thank you. Change course 20 degrees west. The captain changes course. See, when truth is introduced, truth is not relative. Truth, you adjust to truth. So it frees us, but it also catalyzes us. It, it causes, it disrupts us. It causes us to react and adjust to it. Now, here's the thing about truth. Truth has been given to the human race. It has been given. And the news is good. The truth is good. That God is good. That God is there. That God cares. That God is involved. That God loves us so much that he does that he understands our lost condition. And the truth is we are lost without him. We have rebelled against him. We are justice demands that we pay with our souls for our rebellion against God. And the truth has been given that God has intercepted that with his love and plan and he decided to absorb the penalty of sin for us. That he came in, he said, if you place your trust in what my son does for you, 
Everything will be forgiven. It is called grace. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's just given as a gift. And the truth has been given that God has said, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. The truth of how to live. What does it mean to be right? To do right? What does it mean to be pure? What is the design of the human being? The behaviors that are designed for? They've all been given. They've been presented. And these truths come directly from a God who says, I don't change, neither does my truth. And you can count on these truths. They are the final word. You can rest in them, and you need to adjust to them. And Jude encounters something. An inbred human response when we're presented with anybody who claims the final word on anything. Now think about this. Anybody who tells you they've got the final word, what's your immediate reaction? Oh, who do you think you are? Really? Final word, it's always true? Under no condition, is that any different? Is that really how it is? And that's exactly what happened with this great news that Judah wanted so badly to share with everybody and and to celebrate over. So he says, verse 4, certain men whose condemnation was written uh, about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They're godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. And so he uses this word, certain men. There are certain men who have come in. Every generation does this. Now, in a few weeks, the NCAA is going to deliver an announcement on four teams. The committee decides to play for the national championship in football. Four teams, right? I will tell you what will happen immediately. And it will happen with some people in the room. There will be outrage. Absolute outrage. They have spoken, here is the truth, these are the four best teams, they will play for the playoff. And the one that comes in fifth is going to be really peeved. And sixth and seventh and eighth and demands will be for wish on it. We'll take you on any field, you watch. It'll get challenged absolutely immediately. It's almost human nature for that to happen. And in every generation, people balk at the thought that somebody would come in from the outside and impose a statement. So we have it on our bumper stickers, question authority. It's like a noble thing to do. It's almost like it's an obligation. We have a reason for that because authority has been abused many, many times, right? People have been misled. Truth, things have been claimed to be true, but they're not necessarily true. They're be, it's being abused. And so, but we have this innate desire in us to think we got to keep evolving. We got to keep looking for more th- details. And if we find more details, maybe it'll, it could change it. And so we're not quite so sure who shot JFK, Right? And we're not sure, quite so sure whether the, the, the moon ever was landed on or if that might have been in some sound stage somewhere. And now we hear some people say, we're not so sure six million Jews died in the Holocaust. Really, there's other stories that have come out that have called that in question. And now we're not quite sure who shot bin Laden. Different theories come out. Conspiracy theory. It, see, it, it violates something with, within us that we want to just keep learning and we want... We don't want anybody else to think they've got a corner on the market of this. So that's what happens here. The truth is is dispensed. And the truth is great news. But then these certain people come in, and it comes from a number of motivations. Sometimes it's human pride. Sometimes it's it's our desire for for reason to make sense to us. sometimes Sometimes it's compassion. Because we say, if that's truth, well, what about those people? 
well, what about that situation? Well, there's somebody I care about or there's somebody I feel like has been mistreated who doesn't... What, what about them? It, surely you can't just say the truth is going to... They have to admit that that's not right. Sometimes it's motivated by selfishness or agenda, making it work for ourselves, being in control. How many of us grew up thinking lawyers were good and then we started seeing what lawyers do? Sorry if you're a lawyer, not everybody. But I have personal experience with an attorney who told me his expertise in the law is not so that he can do right. It's so he can use it to accomplish his client's goals. That's what people do with truth claims. So, that, so we have people who are educated and rational and make emotional appeals and say, really? You want to call that truth? Is that always the case? Well, what about this group of people? Well, what about this situation? Are you going to tell me? Are you going to tell that person? Look at that person and what they've been through. Are you going to tell me that person who doesn't necessarily believe the truth that you're claiming is still accountable for it? Could it be? And then nuances get introduced. Well, you know, that word doesn't always mean that word. Well, you know, that situation, if you understand the context of that situation, it can mean something completely different than what it seems to be saying. Brittany Maynard took her life about a week ago, 29-year-old, who kind of became the face of physician-assisted suicide in Portland. She moved to Portland because they have laws that allow that inoperable or brain or, or... incurable brain cancer and decided she was going to do that um, when she decided. She made impassioned statements. She made a goodbye statement. She had a hu- has a husband and a family, no children but parents. And she decided that she wanted, and, and the whole phrase is death with dignity. She wanted a dignified death. People have, it's in a very emotional topic people have rallied around and said don't no institution should tell her what she has to do with her life no one has the right to tell her that her life is not her own to do with what she pleases can i just give you an example as an example god has spoken about that subject god has given us truth about who is the author of life who is the controller of life and who has the prerogative to take life here's something else Brittany Maynard suffered with, when she was diagnosed, stage four glioblastoma, brain cancer. My sister-in-law was diagnosed with stage four glioblastoma. Little children. It changes your life, doesn't it? Heartache and tears and prayer and anointing and hope and begging with God and walking through and then treatment after treatment and surgeries. She was given a similar amount of time to live as Brittany was given. But my sister-in-law, one of the most remarkable people I've ever seen, And she said, I have been given this life as a steward of it. I will do whatever I can to bring God glory through it. And as long as I have it, I'm going to honor his ways because his ways are right. 
My sister-in-law lived 12 years. And in that time, my heart, my children's hearts, my family's hearts, and thousands and thousands of other people's hearts were affected positively by the God who is good to her and eventually called her home. You adjust to the truth. You don't adjust the truth to you. Here's what's interesting about where this comes from. The next section says this phrase. They've secretly slipped in among you. See, it's one thing for me to have an atheistic unbeliever tell me, ah, there's no God adds. But you know where this was coming from in Jude's day? It was coming from the church. It was coming from those who claimed to, to, to be recipients of this amazing news and grace. This is how it happened. Take a look at uh, verse. It calls them godless men, but they've slipped in among you. And I don't think godless means that they were acting like there's no God. It meant God wasn't in what they were saying. And this is a couple, couple examples of what they were doing. Who changed the grace of our God into license for immorality. So they manipulated grace. They said, hey, if we're all forgiven, hey, if we're going to win the championship, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to practice. We're covered. We're good. And they... The truth about how we're to live in purity and holiness is just kind of discarded under this canopy going, hey, it's grace, man. Isn't that good? The other thing they did was they, they minimized Christ. See what it says? It says, and deny Jesus Christ, our, our only sovereign and Lord. It may mean that he, they denied he exists. They may mean that he denied his sovereignty or what he did on the cross. But, it, but whatever it is, it meant that he, what he's about is not necessarily essential to the way we live or the control of our lives. He's going to go on in this little letter to reference some other definitive words of God on certain topics that people have kind of come in and go, yeah, but, yeah, but. He's going to mention the place of money. He's going to mention human sexuality. He's going to mention obedience to authority and other things. But here is the reality that Jude is holding on to. The truth has always been the truth. It has never changed. It will never change. The truth is always true. And it has been definitively given. This is what Isaiah 45 says. God says about this. I've not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, well, seek me in vain. Like, I'm going to give you clues. I'm going to watch you try to figure out what's right. He says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And so he says in the next phrase, verse 5, though you already know this, I want to remind you. Something really, really important. He says, guys, when you've been given absolute truth, whatever you do, don't let slick-sounding, emotional, reason-based arguments rob you of the bedrock that you can stand on. You can absolutely stand on this. You can count on these things being true. And don't let those arguments diminish the huge responsibility that comes with to those who would try to undermine it or manipulate it for their purposes or get it to say what they wanted to say. Now, he's going to give a, a handful of examples right here. He says, the, fi- the final worth truth is the truth, even if the alternatives are coming from, are, are being experienced by sources like these. Look at verse 5. 
The Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, and he later destroyed those who did not believe. Regardless your history with God, the freed chosen ones of Israel, if they, if they move away from the truth, there's a penalty for that. There's consequences to that. Regardless of the position or the power. Now look at the next one. It says, it, it says and verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. Now this is, references what we understand to be a rebellion. Perhaps we're not even sure when it happened in heaven among the, the, the angelic created beings of God and perhaps a third of them rebelled against him. And this perhaps is where... Uh, uh, fallen angels or demonic activity comes from. And look, God, but, God, but the whole point here is not to dissect all that. It's to say, even somebody who's in this high lofty position under God, they turn against truth. They reject it for their own purposes and there are consequences for it. And then it says, uh, he, th- these he has, he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. I mean, it's serious business messing with the truth. Verse 7, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, surrounding towns, gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. So regardless how widespread or popular the opinions, these are entire communities that have adopted and embraced other ways of looking at human sexuality, it says. That doesn't change the truth. Popular opinion isn't, doesn't sway what is bedrock truth. And it says that, that when that happened... They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. I mean, it is strong stuff. And this is, that's the phrase. They serve as an example. Everybody's got a platform these days to kind of throw their own ideas out there. There are blogs and websites and webcasts and all kinds of things. But here is what Jude's saying. Guys, we have something worth celebrating. Don't let it be robbed. Let the truth be the truth. And understand, there is huge, huge responsibility with suggesting what the truth is to people. Can I tell you something? This, I stand in front regularly here, and I do this. And people say, oh, well, you know, it's because you're trained in that. Oh, it's because that's where you got your job. Whatever. Okay? You know, I, I, I want to tell you that I don't sleep well on Saturday nights. Not because I have anxiety about who are you, whether you're going to laugh at my jokes or not. I'm past that. You know what I feel? I answer to Almighty God. James 3 1 says, Don't let many people be teachers because you have stricter judgment on you for representing the truth. I am responsible to God Almighty. And therefore, what I'm responsible to do is not tell you what's going to sound good or what I think or what fits well with what our culture wants to hear. I need to go to the truth of God. And I need to say to you, This is the truth. All of us, let's adjust to it and let's revel in it. Today, I invite you to do a couple things. Understand this. This is true for your life. You are a human being. The truth applies to you. Regardless of your background or your culture or your language, there is truth from God about who he is and what he's done. It is all centered on, on him coming to the planet in the form of a man, his son, Jesus of Nazareth, there is truth. That is, that is truth. Yeah, you could say, yeah, it's your opinion. I know, but somewhere is truth. God has said that's absolute truth. God has said, I have got the best way for you to live a human life. The best way. 
Some of it feels uncomfortable to you. Some of it feels unnatural to you. But if you come with me on this road, you will see that it is the best way to live. Holiness and purity and living according to truth. This is the invitation of God. Truth has been delivered. Stand on the truth. Stand in the truth. And stand for the truth. Make it our commitment to say, I will find the truth, I will rest in it, and I will adjust myself to the truth, not ask it to adjust to me. When we do that, the celebration can be on that Jude wanted the right to say, guys, we've been given truth. We can rest in it forever. We know for sure where we stand. You're about to see some people tell their stories. People are going to be baptized in just a few minutes here. And they're telling you, I have found the truth and I have bowed to the truth. I stand on the truth. It is worth celebrating. Pray with me.